My name is Fred. I am the lead pastor here. Uh, and as Andrew said, no matter who you are, where you are, we really are a church for you. And so what I'd love for you to do as we jump into um, our message today is go ahead and open up your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 3. And we're going to be doing uh, verses 1 through 21. Uh, you can also uh, follow along on the Bible app on your phone. Uh, the scriptures are there, um, other announcements and stuff are there, and you can follow along there. Um, uh, or, like I said, or your Bible. Now, as you're turning there, I want to tell you about something that happened at our house just, just a few, uh, well, at this point, it's probably just a couple of weeks ago. Um, uh, one evening, uh, after the sun had gone down, I needed to go into my son's room. And uh, his room, the, the, the light switch, uh, when you flip the light switch, it doesn't actually turn on the, a light on the ceiling. It's one of those light switches that turns on a lamp that's plugged in. You know, have you ever seen those? Well, that's what his room is like. And it was dark outside. And so I walk into his room and I flip on the light switch and guess what happens? Nothing. The, the lamp was turned off. So, so I was standing there in, in his dark room. Now, here's something you need to know about my son Luke, is that he is incredibly creative. And so in any time that you walk into his room, what's on the floor may be as wild as you can imagine. I have seen fabric and glue guns. I have seen like the good scissors and X-Acto knife, right? Just laying on the floor where he's been working on something. So to step into his room in the dark requires a whole lot of caution and forethought, right? And so let me ask you this. Have any of you ever stepped into a dark room and been afraid, right? Adults may be afraid if you've got kids. Maybe you've been afraid of stepping on a Lego. If you've ever done that, the pain is excruciating, right? Kids, have you ever stepped into a room that's dark and like the light bulb's out or whatever and, and been afraid of something? Well, here's what I did. I stood there and I just didn't move at all. And here's why. Because there was light coming from down the hallway, right? Like the hallway light was on and I just stood there. And, and I, just, I just let my eyes adjust. Because I knew if I stood there long enough, my eyes would adjust and I would be able to see more than I could when I first walked in, right? And sure enough, the longer I stood there, the more I could see what was in the floor, which was very good because there wasn't an exacto knife, there wasn't fabric, there was a stool though that was one of those stools that's about this high, so it hits you right in the shin when you walk into it, right? That would have been right in my way, and so I saw it as, as my eyes adjusted. Here's what I love. God has actually designed us biologically to be able to do that. The, the little dark part of your eyeball, the, the pupil, it actually expands in low-light environments so that it lets more light in. But here's the key for that to work. You have to give yourself time, right? Because if you don't give yourself time for your eyes to adjust, what's going to happen is that you're going to end up stepping on something that you don't want to step on, right? Or you're going to end up bumping into something that you don't want to bump into, right? Now, let me ask you. Let's take this a little abstract. Anybody feel like your life is in somewhat of a dark room, right? Like you're not quite sure what's going on. Maybe, maybe it's this, that, 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 that you've, you've flipped on the light switch, you've prayed about something, you've sought God, but yet 
It feels like you're still standing in a dark room and you're not sure what's in front of you. Maybe you keep asking this question. Maybe it's this. God, what do you want me to do? Anybody been asking that question lately and not quite know what the answer is? It could be, what do you want me to do right now? It could be, it could be bigger questions. Like, like I think about kids as you start going back to school and, and being around students. Maybe there, there are other students who are just mean to you. Or maybe there's a bully in your classroom. Or maybe a class just isn't working out the way you wanted it to. And so you're asking this question, God, what do I do? Or maybe, maybe if you're an older student and you're in high school and you're trying to figure out college. And what's coming up next? Like, like, that, like, that's a big question. Where do I go to college? Do I go to college? If I don't go to college, what do I do for my job? Like, like all of those are big questions. And it's real easy to say, God, what do I do? And, and for the adults in the room, the adults watching, maybe, maybe you're asking these questions about your job or about getting married or, 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 or all these big life questions. God, what do I do? You see, if this is you or if this is someone you know, here's what I want you to do. I want you to take heart and be encouraged because here's what I hope happens today first of all I want you to know that I've been praying for you as I've as I've written this message and worked on this message over the past week or so like I have been praying for you in the room that you're in and here's here's what my prayer has been that as we go through this text in Ephesians 3 that we all just take time to kind of let the eyes of our souls adjust to the light that's in the room right because here's what I know about our God. I know that God wants you to know exactly what he wants you to do. I know our God is not a God of confusion, but a God of order. And I know that, I know that, that, that he wants you to know exactly what he wants you to do. And so my prayer today is that during this message and, and whenever you're watching it, that the eyes of your soul are adjusted and you can see at least the next step for what God wants you to do. Well, let's look at verse one. We're gonna dive into this. And in that picture that Andrew uh, showed, Shay, if you'll put that picture of the umbrella back up again, I do wanna mention this because as we talk about how families can engage in our messages and, 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 and be a part of what's happening, uh, what I've learned particularly with this message is y'all, it's really good for the adults too. Right, So if you've got a place where you can draw and draw an umbrella, it'll help you understand this message a whole lot better. And in and, and, and that picture, if, if you're having a hard time seeing it, if you just draw an umbrella and put the word calling above it, and then under the spokes, I'm going to talk about what, what our assignment from God looks like. And, 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 and the key idea is that all of this stuff that God is asking us to do falls under calling. And so, so we're going to talk about this, but I just want you to get this in your head as we work through today's message. Because I think it will help bring some clarity to it. Let's look at verse 1. Chapter 3, verse 1 says this. Thank you, Shay. It says, for this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, uh, of Christ Jesus on behalf of you Gentiles. Now, before we dive into the rest of the passage, we're going to take this in big chunks, but I want to stop here because this is the second time in Ephesians that Paul has mentioned where he's at, right? And, and, and for Paul, what we have to understand is that Paul was this really uh, great man of God. 
And in many ways, he was just a normal man of God who was obedient. But God used him in some great ways. He, he planted churches uh, all over the, the, the known world at that time. God used him to, to heal people of diseases and even to raise people from the dead. But notice where this man of God is currently residing. Where does it say his current address is? Prison. Right now, now here's what's here. Here's what's see what's what's amazing. You see, Paul uh, carried out his assignment from God, and we're going to see he's going to talk about what his what his clear assignment was from God. But what we're also seeing from this very first verse is that as he carried out God's assignment for his life, it was not smooth sailing. Like like you can see more of Paul's story in the book of Acts, and you can see where he is on his on his way to Rome. And like literally, when I say it wasn't smooth sailing, I mean it wasn't smooth sailing. Like he was on a ship heading to Rome, and it, he experienced a shipwreck, right? Where they had to throw stuff off the ship just so the ship wouldn't capsize. And then once they did that, the ship hit a, a reef and got stuck. And so they ended up on this island, which we know is Malta. And then when he was there on this island, they built a fire. And guess what happened next? A snake jumped out of the fire and bit him. And it was a poisonous viper and he should have died, but he didn't die. And so because he didn't die, the, the native islanders there assumed that he must be a god because he didn't die and started worshiping him. To which he had to let them know that he's not a god and isn't worthy of, of, of worship. And so all of this was on his way to prison. right? And so when I say... It wasn't smooth sailing. I mean, it wasn't smooth sailing. And I think Paul's putting this here so that we can know, just like Paul needed to know, and just like he's reminding those who are reading this in Ephesus, and like he's reminding us is this, is that your assignment from God will include suffering. And so if you're doing that umbrella, one of those, one of those spokes under it, just write the word suffering or write the word hard times. That's another way to think about suffering. Now suffering, and here's why this is important. Because when we take the step to follow God, we have this myth that we believe. That if we follow God, everything's going to work out perfectly. Now anybody ever had that myth debunked in your life? Right? Because when we suffer, when hard times come, it's real easy to think that we're on the wrong path. But, but what Paul is, I think, reminding us of when, when he's saying that he's a prisoner is that hard times are simply a part of God's assignment for you. Hard times are a part of God's assignment for you. Now, if you're wondering why I'm using the word assignment instead of calling, we'll, in purpose, we'll talk about that just a bit here. But I want us to be clear on this, right? I want us to be clear that God's assignment and suffering, that God's assignment and hard times go hand in hand, right? They're not like this. They're not two fists that hit each other. They're actually fingers intertwined with each other. Does that mean that God's assignment for you is going to be awful? No, not at all. Particularly if you understand that hard times are going to be a part of it, a part of it, because in God's economy, suffering has a purpose. In God's economy, hard times have a purpose. And here it is: that suffering and hard times are actually designed by God to make you better. That's why God does it. Paul, in another letter that, that he wrote to, in Romans, said this about suffering. Paul said we rejoice in our sufferings, right? We rejoice in our hard times. Why? Because we like them? No, here's why. 
Because we know that suffering produces endurance. And endurance produces character. And character produces what, church? Hope. You see, as the eyes of our soul adjust to what God is doing in the room, what God would have you and me to do, this verse is here to remind us that you know what? When hard times come, we're going to be good. We're going to be all right. We're going to be good when following Jesus gets hard, when it doesn't seem to work out the way that we want, when the path is uncertain but the next step is clear. We're going to be good. Now, now, I want to pause here for just a minute because I think this is super important. And, and we're actually spending more time on this first verse than I think we will the, the rest of the, of the verses because I think this is so important. We've got to be okay with this. And so here's my question to you. Are you okay with hard times coming your way? Because if not, you're going to have a hard time moving on in your spiritual faith. Now, this series in Ephesians is called Together because we're seeing how the gospel tears down every barrier that we build, every wall that we build that separates us from each other and separates us from God. The gospel tears that down, that Jesus brick by brick tears those down so we can be together in our faith. And for, if this issue is your issue, this is your barrier. And here's why, because you will get stuck. If you expect hard times to not be a part of following God and you expect life to be easy because you have said yes to Jesus, then you are going to be behind a barrier that God has never put in front of you. And this could be the biggest barrier that's separating you from from all of who God is and all that God wants you to do and even separating you from relationships with God's people. Because y'all, hear me, relationships are messy, aren't they? Even with godly people, they're messy, aren't they? Marriages take work, don't they? Raising kids takes work. You see, if you let Jesus tear down this this wall for you, and you can trust him in the midst of suffering, you get to experience even more of who God is and more of what he has for us called the church. Now, you might need to do this. You might need to do this by faith over feeling. You might need to do this in trust in the character of God and, and instead of by what you see. You might need to do this in belief in God's word over fear. And y'all, I'm just going to take an aside real quick. And, and, and I've been feeling this for a while, and I don't even know if this is the, the, the right place to do it. But, but, but when I look at that word that Paul talks about in Romans, that suffering produces endurance. I want to tell you something that I've seen happen in the church of Jesus Christ, like the big church over the past year. And it's a concern that I have for the church. As we've gone through this pandemic, here's what I've seen. The church, at least the church in America, is very weak right now. That this word endurance isn't something that we necessarily want to sign up for. Because We have experienced a pandemic, right? Which meant most churches chose not to meet, which meant if you wanted to engage in church, literally all you had to do was this and this. And there is research now that says 30% of people are gone from the church. 
because they didn't want to do this or this. And they said, you know what? That's just, if I can't get it the way I want it, I don't want it. Y'all, that's not endurance. That's not what Paul is talking about here. Now, here's the irony of this. You know that phrase, I'm preaching to the choir? Y'all are here, right? You're watching from home. You've, you've done this, but you probably know people in your life that have said, yeah, I just can't do the online stuff. Yeah, I don't want to have to register for church. I don't want to have to wear masks in church. Here's the deal. Nobody wants to do those things. Nobody wants to wear masks when we come together. It hurts my soul to not be able to hug y'all, right? And to to not see your faces. We don't like this, but this is where we are because it's a hard time in our faith. And we endure because we know it's developing our character. And we endure because when our character is developed, we end up with hope at the end. That's why we do this. And so church... Let's endure these hard times, no matter what they are. Let's do this together. Because let me, let me tell you, when we're going to keep going, and, and, and here's what I hope. I hope, that, um, I hope that you hear that, first of all. I hope that you hear my love for you in that, because I do love this church, and I love you, and my heart breaks in this. But I know this is where God has us, which means... In God's economy, this is what's good for us. That doesn't make sense to me, but that's what I know to be true about God. And so we'll walk with him together. Let's, let's, let's keep going. Verse, see, I told you we'd spend more in this verse than we did in the rest. Verse 2. Chapter 3, verse 2 says this. It says, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you and how the mystery was made known to me by revelation, As I have written briefly, when you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations, and it has now been revealed by his holy apostles and prophets and by the Spirit. This mystery is the Gentiles are fellow heirs and members of the same body and and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Now, what Paul's doing here is interesting. Because he's talking about something called a mystery. That, that if you were in Ephesus at the time of this letter being read, it would feel more like a mystery to you. We, we, we kind of take it for granted. This, 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 this church experience that we have where, where I, I don't know if any of us are of Jewish heritage. We would be considered Gentiles, right? That's, that's the way the, the, they divided people. Either you were Jewish or you weren't. Right? You were you were a Gentile. We're all Gentiles worshiping Jesus. But and for us, that makes perfect sense because it's been going on for, for thousands of years. But to them, it was a brand new thing. And and we can take that for granted. That this whole thing of of of, of Jesus being Jewish and non-Jewish people worshiping the Jewish God was was really new and it was scandalous and it was it was it was crazy in many ways. It was a mystery, and Paul is letting this church know in Ephesus that this isn't a mystery as much as it is God's revealed plan. And that this has always been God's plan. As a matter of fact, in the book of Ephesians, this is one of the themes in the book of Ephesians. Because when you see the, the word you in Ephesians, um, sometimes it's singular, which means it applies to you as an individual in the church. But a lot of times it's plural. It's more like y'all, right? 
being from Texas, being from the South, we know what y'all means. Y'all can mean you, or it can mean y'all, right? The whole group, right? And that's what Paul uses, the the word there sometimes. So sometimes he's telling the whole church, hey, y'all, the church, has always been part of God's plan. You are predestined, right? He said that earlier. It's also y'all are predestined. The church has always been God's plan since before the beginning of time. John Piper says it this way, that the church is God's plan A, not plan B. And the church has always been God's plan. Not only are you chosen, but y'all are chosen. Right, that the church isn't some plan B, that the last one's picked, like, like um, any of y'all play sports when you were a kid and not be good at it and hated the, when they would choose team captains and would just pick people. I was always one of the last ones picked. Right? The church isn't like that, that the church has always been the chosen method for God getting his good news out, that you are adopted and y'all are adopted. The church is part of God's family. It's not... Uh, an outsider. It's an, the church is now an insider, that Gentiles are insiders. And so what's true of the church is also true of you, that you are part of God's plan. And here's the kicker. It's the plan that he's always had for you. And so when you think about that under this, this umbrella, that one of those spokes is that God's assignment for you has always been God's plan for you. So not only is God's assignment going to have like hard times and suffering, but it's also always been God's plan for you. God is not making this stuff up as he goes along. And here's why that's important, because it'll feel that way sometimes, right? Like as your life takes these twists and turns that you never saw coming, that you didn't expect, it feels like God's making this up as he goes. But Paul's being very clear to this room full of Gentiles worshiping uh, this Jewish God, Jesus, that this was always God's plan. That you are always God's plan. And that God knows exactly what he's doing. Well, let's keep going as we get some more specifics about God's plan. Verse 7 says this. Of this gospel I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. Now, this word minister means servant, right? And notice what Paul says he is a minister of. What is he a servant of? He says he is a servant of the gospel, right? Now, the gospel simply means that Jesus is your God. You're not your God anymore. Jesus is your God. Religion's not your God anymore. Jesus is your God. Your behavior isn't your God anymore. Jesus is your God. And his death, burial, and resurrection tore down those barriers separating you from God so that you can have this good and right and intimate relationship with the God who has always loved you and the God who has never put those barriers up. Your sin did that. And Jesus fixed that for you. When you say yes to Jesus, you get to experience this friendship with God. And so whenever I use that term, yes, with Jesus, I'm not asking you to say yes to religion. I'm not asking you to say yes to Christianity. I'm asking you to say yes to Christ. Yes to following Jesus step by step. Because when you do, you and Paul and every other follower of Jesus have something in common. Even with the people that you have nothing in common with, you've got this in common. You've all got the same calling. 
Now, if you're using that umbrella, this is the part that goes on top of the umbrella. This is, this is the calling. And, 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 and that's why I've been using the word assignment instead of calling, is I think it's very important that we separate these two things out. Because you see, every follower of Jesus has the same calling. And so when you're asking God, God, what is my calling? I'm going to tell you what your calling is. Because we all have the same job description. We're all to serve the gospel. When we say yes to Jesus, we say yes to serving the gospel of Jesus, the good news of, the, uh, of Jesus, that he died and was raised from the dead so that we can have this friendship with the God who loves us and made us. And we serve that gospel. You see, we're all to be all about who Jesus is and what he has done. Now, we can say this differently, right? Like, here's, here's how I say my calling looks like. I say this. I say, my calling is to point people to Jesus. That's my calling. My assignment has changed over the years. I was a school teacher, right? And when I was a school teacher in a public school, my calling was to point people to Jesus. My assignment was to educate these kids so that they could read and write and become good and productive citizens. My calling was to point them to Jesus, which meant in a public school, I couldn't preach sermons, but what I could do is I could have a little spiral that sat on my desk where each kid in my class got a page in that spiral. And as they shared with me what was going on in their family, I would make notes in that spiral, and that spiral became my prayer journal for those kids. Right, And I prayed for them before class would start. I'd go through that journal and pray for them. And I had their little picture on there. Not like I would forget who they were, but it just helped me. It just helped to have that picture, right? That was my calling, was to point them to Jesus. You see, your calling is the same. Now, here's the deal. Your assignment will look different. Like I said, I was a teacher. I worked in college ministry for a while. I was a seminary student for a while. Um, I was uh, a pastor in Tennessee for a while, a pastor here for a while. So my assignment keeps changing, but my calling has stayed the same. And so here's what, 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 what I'd love for you to do. What would it look like if you put your calling into your own words? What does it mean for you to serve the gospel of Jesus Christ? What words could you use to, to put that into your own words, into your own mind, into your own heart? What would it look like for you to serve the gospel? What are those words? Mine is point people to Jesus. You're welcome to use it if you want. It's not, you know, I won't write a book about it. But, you know, you can come up with something that speaks to you about it. And families, I would love for you all to explore this together. What does it look like for your family to serve the gospel? What are the words that you can use? Do you understand what I'm saying? Like paraphrase that into a way that makes sense to you. Because here's the deal. God's assignment for you fits under God's calling for all of us. You see, God's assignment for you isn't going to be something that, that goes outside of that call. It's going to be something that fits under that call. That's why that is above the umbrella. Well, let's see what, what we mean when by a specific assignment, because Paul's about to talk about his. In verse 8, it says this. It says, To me, so this is Paul talking about himself, though I am the very least of all the saints, I love his humility too, by the way. When you look at Paul's life, um, I wouldn't classify him as the least of all the saints. I'd put him pretty high up there, but he saw himself as the least of the saints because he knew what was going on in his heart and he knew how much he needed that gospel that he served every day. 
He says, through me, though in the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden in the ages in God who created all things so that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might be made known to the rulers and authorities in heavenly places. This is according to the eternal purpose that he, ha- that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. And so I ask you not to lose heart over what I'm suffering for you, which is for your glory. Here's, here's what I want to pull from that, because I could pull a lot from that, but here's what I want to pull from that. In here, we see that Paul had a very specific calling. He served the gospel to take the gospel to people who weren't Jewish who were Gentiles, who weren't part of the nation of Israel. Now, here's what's interesting. When you look at the book of Acts, you see two main people in the book of Acts. You see Peter and you see Paul. Peter had a different assignment from God. His assignment was to take the gospel of Jesus to people who were Jewish. He stayed in Jerusalem, and Paul went all over the known world, all over the the Roman world. Now, I'm going to say something which I think for some of us might be bold and a little bit provocative, and that's okay. I want you to to engage with me. I want you to ask me questions. We can talk about it after the service. Um, You can go online and and join in the post-sermon chat, and we can talk there. But, But here's what I want to pull from this, that God's assignment for you actually fits you. Right? There's this other myth that we think in following God and that God is going to ask us to do something that is the complete opposite of us just to show us how good God is. I don't know that we see that in Scripture. Yes, God will push you and we'll, we'll talk about that. But God's assignment for you fits how he made you. Right? Because he made you. He gave you your personality. He gave you certain spiritual gifts. He gave you talents. And he gave you those for a reason. He gave them to you so that the church could benefit from them. Because he gave them to you because if you're part of Fellowship Asheville, Fellowship Asheville needs you to be who God made you to be. This community needs you to be who God made you to be. That's why we say uh, in, in our arm of service here at Fellowship, uh, that, that we exist for the building up of the church and for the good of the city. Like, like both of those things, God made us the way that he needs us and the way that the church needs us. Now, he made you the way he's gifted you, and here's what's key. He made you the way he's also growing you. Right? Kids, has this ever happened to you? You go, you go shopping with your parents Maybe this is more of a boy thing than a girl thing, but, but my parents would buy me jeans that were like five inches too long, right? And I'd start every school year with a couple of new pairs of jeans, and you know what I had to do to those things? I had to roll them up so that they would fit. And I, be, I, I remember looking at my mom, she's like, Mom, and she's like, don't worry about it. Guess, you know what she'd say? You're going to grow into them. Sure enough. By the end of the year, those pants were high waters, right? Like I, I, I grew into them and even grew out of them in some cases. And as I've gotten older, in a different way, right? Not growing long anymore, unfortunately. Right? But, but, but the same is true. Like, like your assignment from God might not fit you yet, but God is still growing you and it will fit you as you walk with him step by step and in faith. Because God knows you are still growing. As a matter of fact, stepping out into the assignment 
that God has given you by faith to follow God means that you are willing to grow. But there's something else I want you to consider, that your assignment not only fits you, it also fits the season of life that you're in. You know, I talked about Paul and I talked about Peter. And what's interesting about both of them is when you look at the context of their life, it helps you understand their assignment. Paul was the single guy, not married, and he could travel all over the world. Peter was married, right? And so their assignments fit their season of life because Paul could, could travel all over the place. But, but, but Peter stayed in Jerusalem because he had a family. And God knew that he needed to be there with his family. Traveling then obviously wasn't like it is now. And if you left, you were gone for months or years. And so Peter's assignment to stay in Jerusalem fit his season of life. And see, each of us go through different seasons, right? Kids, like you're learning what it means to learn right now. You're learning in school and learning from teachers and and students. You're learning what it means to learn on deeper levels, but students, you're also learning what it means to be independent, what it means to be an independent thinker and what it means to have certain levels of freedom, right? That's part of being, being a student and to manage that with wisdom. And adults, you can give me an amen on this, like we're still learning how to be adults, aren't we? Right? And we're learning what it means to walk with Jesus daily. And we're learning what it means to to shepherd and shape those who are coming behind us, our kids. And the people that we're discipling, we're we're still learning. And and with each of those, there is a particular season of life, right? Some examples of that, like if you're a stay-at-home parent with little kids, you've got a season of life that is unique to any other season of life in your life. Because your world, depending on how little they are, your world is like a nursery, a kitchen, a living room, and a bedroom. And that's your world, right? You might be able to go to the grocery store every once in a while. And if it is a good day, you get to go to Target. Right Now, as your kids get older, that season of life changes. But it is a season. If you're retired, like you're in a whole different season too. If you're just beginning your career, you're in a different season. And with each season, there is these particular blessings and these particular limitations that your assignment fits into that. And so you see, something that we have to be aware of uh, is the season that we are in. We have to be aware of the season we're in to understand the assignment that God has given. You see, your season feeds your assignment. And so here's a way to think about it, is that your season feeds your assignment, which fits under God's call. And so another one of those spokes in the umbrella is that you are in a particular season, and you need to be aware of that. And so here's the deal, all of these work together to answer this question, God, what do you want me to do? All of these help the eyes of your soul adjust. This this umbrella, you point people to Jesus or however you worded that, that's your call. And and under that umbrella, you've got hard times are going to be a part of God's assignment. You've got God's plan is going to be part of the assignment. It fits you the way God's made you as part of that assignment. It fits the season that you're in. That's part of that assignment. And look at these last few verses. Verse 14 says this. For this reason, I bow my knees. Now, this is the coolest part about an assignment. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named 
that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may, may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have the strength to comprehend with, with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses all knowledge, and that you may be filled with the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more and abundantly than we ask or think according to the power at, the work, at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. And what's the final word that he says? Amen. So what's he doing? If he finishes with amen, what is he doing? He's praying for them, isn't he? So Paul just told them, listen, this is my calling. You, you know, this thing called the church is this great mystery that has been part of God's plan. And then it just moves him into this time of prayer. You see, here's the deal about God's assignment. God's assignment for you moves you to pray. Why? Because God's still growing you. And, and the more you step out in the faith, the more you realize you need God's power and you need God's glory. But here's what's interesting about what Paul does is he prays for those that he's serving. You see, and so this is that last little spoke under the umbrella is, is that it moves you to pray. And Paul is praying for those that he's serving. He's praying for the Gentiles, that they would know the love of Christ and they would walk in that abundantly. You see, God's assignment for you leads you to pray for those that God sent you to serve. That God's assignment for you leads you to pray for those that God has sent you to serve. It's why I prayed for the students in my classroom. Those are the ones that God sent me to serve. Y'all, I'm gonna tell you too, like there's a lot of times I wake up in the middle of the night. Now I wake up a lot in the middle of the night now more than I used to because I'm in my 50s and I have to go to the bathroom, right? And that's just kind of part of it, unfortunately. But I, I, I've noticed that I have a harder time going back to sleep than I used to. And I don't know if that's age or, or stuff that's, that's going through my head or, or the weight that's on my shoulders. I don't know what that is, but I have a lot of stuff going through my head. I have found a way to be able to drift back off to sleep peacefully. And, and what I do is I pray. And I don't pray for that stuff that's going through my head because that doesn't really get me anywhere. What I do is I pray for you. I pray for the church. I pray for, for those needs of people that I've met with during the week and what they've shared with me. I pray for stuff that I know is going on. I pray for people by name. Now, I don't say it out loud because Stacy's asleep and I don't want to wake her up. It's just in my head, right? But I pray, and what I notice is as I pray, and I pray for those that God has sent me to serve, I slowly drift back off to sleep. And so let me ask you this. Who do you find yourself praying for? Now, here's, here's what's interesting. It's a little, it's a little test because, because guess what? Those may be the people that God has called you to serve. They may be your assignment. But here's the other part of this little test about who do you find yourself praying for. If you find yourself praying for yourself more than praying for those that God has sent you to serve, you have got that flipped around. Praying for yourself is great, and please do it. But what I've learned is when I do that, I just get stuck. And that God has brought people into my life for me to pray for them. And so, for you, who do you pray for? Those might be your assignment. They may be the people that God has brought you to serve. 
So let me ask you, as we've gone through this, I hope that the eyes of your soul have been a little bit more uh, enlightened, a little bit more light to see uh, what your assignment is, a little less dark in the room. Two simple questions for you to consider as we close out, as to consider your assignment is this. Where has God placed you in this season of your life? What season are you in? And two, who has God placed around you? I think those are very good questions to help figure out who is your assignment. You know, and, and, and families, like, those with kids, don't go too big. Like, your kids are part of your assignment, aren't they? And to launch them out as, as adults. You know, the, the people you work with, the, the people that you're around, your friends, your family, those, those are the people that God has placed around you. Who else has he placed around you? Because perhaps they are your assignment. And perhaps they're the ones that you can point to Jesus. Now, how do you do this? Well, that's the fun part. Y'all get to figure that out. Y'all get to figure out what that next step is. And let me pray for you as you do that. Jesus, help us. Help us know what it means to follow you. Help us know what it means to take that next step. Help us know uh, what it means to point those around us to you, to Jesus. Help us know what it means to to serve the gospel as we serve those uh, that are, are around us. Help us to know how to pray for each other. And God, may we do that to your glory. In Christ's name I pray, amen.